Welcome to the Torvis Podcast. My name is Ari, and this is episode nine. In episode nine, we're going to be focusing on the best monsters in fiction. Jason, Alex, and I will run down who we think, or what we think, is the most influential monsters in movies, fiction, writing, and uh, general history. So stay tuned. Let's get into it. Gentlemen, welcome to uh, episode nine of the Torvus podcast. Um, we have a good one tonight, don't we? Uh, we got some craziness. So uh, this whole episode is actually going to be focusing, as I said, on the top, our top ten quote unquote monsters, give or take, give yeah. or take um, of fiction, movies, television. I think what we need to do is the whole episode is going to basically be a Dane's dungeon. Because we're talking about, you know, what we think is cool and what we think is bull. And so it's really, the whole episode will be dedicated to the Dane's Dungeon of uh, Cool Shit Bullshit and uh, our top monsters. So we're going to get into it and hopefully some of the listening audience, you've never heard of these before and it will kind of uh, trigger you to check them out, uh, read the literature or check out the movies and things like that. So I'm going to start today. We're just going to dive right in. I think I'm going to start probably at the top of my quote unquote list. And that list is, we're going to talk about the Xenomorph Alien from the Alien franchise. Alien Alien. And uh, there has been many different versions of the Alien Uh that have come out, obviously, in different types of film. But we're talking about the original film Uh and the follow-up film, which is Aliens and the monster itself. And I chose the Xenomorph because, obviously, it is the ultimate killing machine. It doesn't doesn't have weapons. It doesn't need tools. It is a weapon. Yeah, and the history of it, as you go on and you watch Prometheus and Covenant and stuff, it kind of goes into the backstory of how they've come into being. But the original Alien, when it came out, it was one alien on a ship, and it ends up taking out everyone on the ship. And, you know, acid for blood, and just an amazing monster. What what I think is its greatest attribute is the intelligence and the fast learning. It kind of seems to almost instinctually evolve its own instincts it instantly learns adapts reacts like very quickly it's like almost a supercomputer mm-hmm. in its own yeah, head insane cunning yeah yeah and it kind of has that you I mean that hive mentality like an insect but but super cunning you're right yeah and uh, one of the cool things uh, of the alien that i kind of looked up today was how does an alien see because it doesn't have eyes or does it so, so if you look at the original drawings of H.R. Uh, um, Geiger, he actually drew the alien, and then he drew the skull of the alien. Mm-hmm. And if you take away kind of that dome mm-hmm. in front, it actually has a human skull with eye sockets. So oh. one of the theories mm-hmm. is it actually it's like a two-way mirror. You can't see in, but it can actually see out. Oh. Didn't they have an earlier version that looked more, that had more eye, eye-like mm-hmm. eyes, and then they changed it oh you mean yeah they did because i mean part of the original design was when when he was he was working on on dune the dune movie that never got made we'll have to do a whole episode on that Mm -hmm. but a lot of those designs came came from there and then they evolved into into the alien 
And I think one of the things they talk about the alien of being, you know, the reason it can hunt and stuff like that is it hunts by pheromone. Um, it's mouth within a mouth is kind of testing yeah. air like a snake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the snake has something called the Jacobson, uh, Jacobson's organ, which basically it senses the air, tastes it, and it can tell you where heat signatures are. That's how yeah. it works. So yeah. maybe like that. But I definitely think the alien has to be in there of one of the greatest monsters of all time, oh, just yeah. for the sheer fact of how it comes into being, the chest bursters, uh, you know, that, that, that it impregnates you, like horrible imagery, right? What also is brilliant about it is it <clears throat> literally from alien to alien, from like each generation, whatever it, its host is, it accepts probably the best attributes of its hosts yeah. as mm-hmm. it changes. So as throughout the films as they go on, they, you know, infect different things and aliens, it's the dog, you know, and, right. and so you see the faster kind of more hunched over one and, mm-hmm. you know, and there's the, the evolution that and yeah. then when you later find out as you watch Prometheus and Covenant that it's, it's a weapon of mass destruction right. and that's the key, the trigger is that it's always changing, always advancing, learning just to... Yeah, it's got an evolutionary life cycle. Yeah, to kill, kill, in. kill, right? The really crazy thing about the alien, the xenomorph, morph itself is like when it talks about the acid for blood when it gets cut it burns through bulkheads and stuff mm-hmm. like that like it, it, what was the first it went through like three decks or something in the first one it went which is really funny because in the movie like a couple of them get sprayed and they're like whoa like yeah. if it's burning through metal like that it would just burn through your head and you'd be dead it's in like late. a second yeah. right but uh very cool so i let's have a vote here would we say that the xenomorph tops or is on the list of one of the coolest monsters it's on a top ten list. It's on, it was on my list as well. Awesome. Yeah, okay. I'd, I'd say it's like if we're if we're if we're duking it out, battle royale arena. I'd yep. say it comes in a very close second to uh, my first choice, which is what dragons. Okay, go ahead. Balls in your court. Wings, literally death on wings. You know what I mean? They are they range in shape, size, every culture, every aspect of humanity. They all have some form of dragon Mm -hmm. and we get the dragons that breathe fire they breathe lightning some of them are primal beasts some of them are intelligent um you know sort of lighthouse keepers that keep Mm -hmm. it themselves and guard treasure or they represent the worst parts of humanity greed um you know uh, some of them are smart they help people out they they they're they're just um the dragon uh myth is just an incredible one that uh has been around since the you know i think People have been telling stories. They've come up with this winged beast in mm-hmm. the sky mm-hmm. and, and a, a zone that we don't know, similar to the aliens in space. But we're talking about um, a creature that is just the only way that people are killing dragons is you know, the knight goes and rescues the princess. He's the 111th knight who happened to do it at exactly 3.30 p.m. <laughs> and the dragon was tired and he stat. You know what I mean? Like, they just the only way to overcome these obstacles is with courage and love and the you know you got to be the top you know hero to take these suckers out Mm -hmm. um and i just think that uh they have earned their place amongst uh humans top monsters so can you can you name some famous dragons out there absolutely uh first i'd have to go with uh smaug for sure probably just the overall for especially when they remade the movie and uh in mm-hmm. The Hobbit, his Benedict Cumberbatch did such a good job, yeah. and just a greedy like that. That where you're not, where he, you can tell he's intelligent, but you can tell he's also got some flaws, and he's just yeah. a beast. He's a monster. He embodies that ultimate power. You know, power corrupts, ab- absolute power corrupts absolutely. Right. He he embodies that <laughs> in the monster himself. Mm-hmm. And then you can go to the uh, you know the opposite uh, 
side of the spectrum, which my runner-up for me is uh, Toothless from How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah. Uh, very small, quick, nimble, mm-hmm. like very curious. Uh, you know, he's not maniacal by any means, but he is incredibly powerful. He just literally makes this little shouting sound, and there's a massive explosion. He's the Night Fury. At the start of the movie, He everybody's terrified of him, but as soon as you get up to him and, you know, start to, you know, uh, interact with him, he becomes a cute and cuddly uh, companion. Mm-hmm. So I, you, re- I really like that aspect. You know, it's funny. One dragon that I think is forgotten about, because you're always thinking about kind of breathing fire and destroying stuff and yeah. Game of Thrones and Dragon Slayer and all that stuff, but there's a, an 80s movie called Never Ending Story. And there's yes. a dragon in there called Falcor. Yes, I was going to bring him up. Too. Oh, were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Falcor. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah. and he's, he almost looks. He's he's that 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 Asian style of dragon. So the non-winged dragon. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, what I really liked about him was his fluffiness and looked like, yeah, a, like dog. a dog. Yeah, it was yeah. like a lo- elongated. You know, it was like a dog mixed with the Chinese, uh, you know, serpentine dragon, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what I'm saying. They they take on incredibly. They can become almost snake-like. Some are more lizard. Some have wings. Some don't. Some don't have arms. Arms. Um, I just think that in terms of the, um, you know, the sheer uh, weight behind the myth and the legend can't be outdone. Yeah, no, they're, they're super cool. They've got they've got it all. Like if you think what makes them so scary, they're like a dinosaur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a T Rex, but it fucking flies. And if that's not badass enough, it breathes breathes fire like or something or right? something yeah, yeah. something i'm just taking i'm just taking yeah, your yeah, smog yeah. As, yeah. as an example yeah. there's lots of different dragons we could get into a whole he literally whole takes over the greatest dwarven army like overnight just completely displaces the mm-hmm. the, the best place you know in middle earth just rolls in no yeah. this is mine now the towns the outlying towns are all destitute and they live in the shadow of the mountain they're not talking about mm-hmm. the shadow of the mountain it's smog shadow <laughs> yeah, yeah it's just it's incredible but also the dragon is a monster for the dwarves because it has the same weakness. It's the dwarven weakness of greed, greed. Yeah. turned up to yeah. a monstrous level. So if you're going by the, the different sins, monsters representing sins, then you can have yeah. the dragon as being the sin of greed. And they're just taking that up to a yeah. super high level. So dragon's definitely up there. Um, I would have to agree. I would say that's definitely in, uh, I would put in my top 20. Yeah. They're, they're definitely up there and there's there's like, a semi-important game that may have influenced a few people around, and it's called Dungeons and um, <laughs> Dragons. Yeah. Right? So, so a lot of people think of dragons just as fire breathing, right? So mm-hmm. now people are all enlightened because they saw Game of Thrones. Spoiler: there's there's a dragon there that that breathes something besides mm-hmm. besides red fire. But in D and D, there's tons of dragons that breathe tons of different kinds of things. So, Which I guess kind of will segue into uh, our next monster. So go ahead. Why don't we talk about? Well, so if we're talking about talking about D and D, yeah, probably my favorite D and D monster is the Mind Flayer, also known as the Illithid. They're wonderful, wonderful creatures. They what do they look like? They look like basically they're like a purplish mauve humanoid, but mm-hmm. it's got a octopus, octopus, squid kind of head mm-hmm. on it, and they are hyper intelligent they're like to them human are just cattle to be used enslaved and eaten they're so far above above humanity and in D&D there's lots of people know about like there's magic and knights and all that kind of stuff but there isn't an, another kind of superpower in D&D called psionics which mental powers mm-hmm. now mind flares and 
early versions of D&D, Mind Flayers are one of the few creatures that had these psionic powers and one of the, the, the very most powerful of those creatures. So you would have people that are like super powerful wizards, great warriors and stuff, but they would just fall. The Mind Flayer could just take out an entire group of people because they have this totally different kind of So how did they typically, power. so for the, the people who don't know Dungeons and Dragons, how did Mind Flayers attack humans and like what was their attacking? How did they kill people? So they have, the, they basically use a big mental burst of energy and that'll stun people, make them go crazy, mm-hmm. do all kinds of weird things to screw with their mind. But then they'll come up to you, they get behind you, and the reason they're called a mind flayer mm-hmm. is because they flay your mind. Flaying for people who don't don't know, flaying's an actual pretty terrible torture where you take the skin off of people. But they basically, they open people's heads up, and they have these tentacles here, and so they open up, well, you can't see my hands. So that's a <laughs> problem with this. But they, they get basically get behind you, mm-hmm. sort of like a, they're sort of like a super Joe Biden, and they get behind you, and instead of just smelling your hair, then they, they come up and they dig their tentacles through your skull and start eating your brain. What level character would you have to be to encounter a mind flare and come out on top? What would you say? Well, since it's an 8 plus 4 hit dice creature in 1st edition, then you want to be roughly ninth level before you have a party of ninth level people-ish. But D&D really isn't supposed to be all about super balanced encounters and stuff like that. Totally. Except for you new fangled 3rd edition plus people, which is like the last 20 years, I okay, guess. Exactly. No, they're, they're like super challenging because they break the mold. I'm specifically thinking back to the original ones because mm-hmm. they had magic resistance, so your powerful wizards basically couldn't do anything against them because they had 90% magic resistance. They, your warriors and stuff, they can mind control you, they can mm-hmm. use your sonic blast, take you out, they can levitate, they have so many powers to just control things. They're, they're great alien villains and with those cool octopus heads, they're like little mini Cthulhu looking looking creatures. And so Alex, you had you heard of a mind flare before? Yeah, so I was going to ask like what's the lore on the mind flare that you know of? Like where does it come from? Like how do they explain it? Is it an alien race or like what is it a they're mythical extra being? dimensional? Yeah, they're from from a different oh, okay. and then they get into the astral plane cuz they can yeah. they can do projection and So that's that's similar stuff. so mental powers and to what I know cuz from what I know is the mind flare is from Stranger Things in mm-hmm. season 2. Spoilers. Yeah. Same it's name, the, uh, very different creatures. Yeah, Stranger, yeah. Stranger that's Things what I is, know, yeah. is that big kind of, you know, and it's in a different plane and it's omniscient and it seems to have either some kind of influence or direct control over the demigorgons. And yeah, and that's another thing that, that, that Demogorgon is, is also from D&D, but yeah. also the same name used, but, but in, in, a, in it, a very, yeah. very different way. But the mind control aspect is something that, that you do carry carry over. The mind reading, mind control. Yeah, and it takes domination. over the, 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 the young. Um, the young protagonist will like he goes into the other realm and then the mind flare is kind of entrancing him and slowly getting yeah. his claws into him and that's the whole yeah and the part of what makes it so such a good monster the insidiousness of mind control and the fact that they're they're so smart like their level is actually above mm-hmm. above genius mm-hmm. so they're so smart they really treat human as cattle that they're there they're just so far beneath them that they don't even consider them to be what to them, are not human. They're subhuman, just right. like we would treat cattle. They're just there to, to do that. So, so look up the in the Mind Flayer. Uh, very cool art design, too. So um, that's the next one. Actually, and kind of bleeding into the next, uh, I'm going to kind of keep going on the D&D thing here. There is a demon or devil by the name of Tiamat, which is in Dungeons & Dragons. And if you're yeah. unaware of Tiamat, Tiamat is basically a five-headed dragon, and each of the heads is able to spew different... 
breath weapons. Oh, very cool. Yes. So acid, fire, frost, that type of thing. Yeah. And uh, it's a female, and it comes from Babylonian myth. So it's thousands of years old. But in 1975, obviously, you know, uh, there was something called the Greyhawk Adventures, and that's when Tiamat first was introduced. However, they didn't call it Tiamat in the Greyhawk Adventures. They called it a chromatic dragon at the yeah. time. Yeah, the, oh, cr- the chromatic the dragon. chromatic dragon. That's yeah. that's the magic reference comes up in right. magic as well. Totally. Oh, and funny. so this is where it comes from. And then it was only until, it was only uh, in 1977 when Monster Manual 1 came out that they actually gave the name of Tiamat. Oh, yeah. So okay. Tiamat, obviously, I would say is a huge, huge monster yeah. um, because it, it, it it's one of those prevailing... Um, constants and Dungeons and Dragons for over the last forty years. Yeah, of like when you think about it in the cartoon. Yeah, everything. It's Tiamat, five headed dragon. It's like the party fights the dragon, but it's not just a dragon. It is an extremely smart yeah. dragon. Yeah, and the Tiamat goes back a lot further mythologically, historically. Mm-hmm. Right. So the the name of, of of Tiamat is is an ancient mythological monster as well. So and uh, also portrayed as female as well. Oh, very it's a female demon. Yeah. yeah. So. Tiamat actually, uh, in the Dungeons and Dragons lore, rules the first la- uh, layer of hell. Mm. So they're, yeah. not, they're the nine planes. So it's of also hell. also yeah. like a, de- a devil, a arch devil, yeah, noble, like a demigod, no, but dem- demi, yeah, like Satan, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. lesser god technically, but right. um, but yeah, it's god level. It's she's so. So cool. Yeah. So Tiamat, uh, I would say, would be in there. And if you're thinking about like modern movies, like the latest Godzilla movie, what's Godzilla's big villain in the latest movie? Multi-headed dragon thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's a little bit of Hydra-like overlap there. Hell Hydra. <laughs> so you end up... Uh, see, see, Jason, you did it again. He keeps doing this. So he's bled into another monster. Segway. Yeah. yeah. So we have to talk about it. Godzilla, which is on my list. Was it on your list or no? No, no, no. Was it on your list, Jason? Did you put Godzilla? It was going to be one of the ones I was going to, but you already mentioned it before me. So Yeah, so Godzilla, fine. 1954, when it was first introduced to the world. Good rubber suit era. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Godzilla, uh, known, as, known as the king of monsters. Yeah. Right? So we're talking, uh, it's a, you know, it's a commentary on what nuclear energy can do and creating uh, our problems in the world. Godzilla obviously breathes radioactive yeah. energy and, and again the monsters come from the culture that that they're in what was scary to them for the japanese in the 1950s after the americans double bombed them the mm-hmm. only people in the world who have ever used nuclear weapons against other people mm-hmm. is the americans so the, the japanese are the ones that suffered it so nuclear things very scary to them would you say that godzilla i mean we call it a monster but was Godzilla good or evil? So we're so we're, we're not talking about heroes and villains. We're talking about monsters, but there is an interesting connection. Between but what them. I would yeah. say, what I would say is that from what I've witnessed, it evolved because when Godzilla was first conceived, hundred mm-hmm. percent a monster, a, th- a thing to be conquered, uh, kill it, kill it, kill it. Right. As the later movies evolved, it was oh maybe the enemy, my enemy is my friend. We're accepting that a, a, a you know they go back and say it's not a radioactive thing. It's a nature. It's a prehistoric creature that's lived forever and ever. Right. We know. So they they kind of devilify him mm-hmm. is what I would say in more modern like with the Godzilla that I grew up with. Yeah. He was always the good guy. 
Right. But looking back and seeing things, no, he's not. A, he's just running around smashing stuff. He's not a good guy. You know, like he's yeah. not. He, they they later became that. It's like yeah, because well, you got you got Godzilla, but then you have to have some monster on monster action to make it a little bit more interesting. Right. But well, I right? think when they first conceived him, he was supposed to be like the pinnacle of a bad monster yeah, that but came again, into an urban city, Tokyo. But it's guns pro are wrestling, like, right? Like then he turns yes. into the good guy that's yes. that's there to save you from the even worse. The, the yeah. other the <laughs> other heel monster comes in. Yeah. And who better to fight him than an ex? You need a different kind of evil to defeat this evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that really understands them. And so Godzilla has to be in the top ten of the greatest oh, monsters sure. of all yeah, time. Absolutely. I mean, they've made so many movies, and yeah. so many of them are, are utterly horrible, unfortunately. <laughs> but I mean, you're going to a monster flick, right? Yeah. Your ex- expectations can't be like, oh, I can't wait for the story. But also, like a very it's, it's for how basic essentially it is. It's very well thought out. You know, he yeah. lives in the ocean. He's mad. Like you know, they, there's there's some. It's a basic thing, and it yeah. delivers on what it is. It's yeah. it's. it's, it's Subgenre in itself is Godzilla movies. Like, how many Godzilla movies are Godzilla versus this or Mechazilla yeah. or Mecha Kong, Mecha Kong, like all yeah. that stuff all tied together? It's, the it's, funny thing about Godzilla, if you look at it, is, uh, you know, trivia wise, over the years, Godzilla's height and size has changed. Yeah. Right. He is not being constant, right? Yes. And so they keep, they keep fluctuating like the size of them. Right. Yeah. And uh, so there's a rumor that they want to have Godzilla in the Pacific Rim. Um, of course, uh, stuff, a, yeah, right? Yeah, of course, because they're kind of in this, spawn that. yeah, because yeah. in the same universe. Mm-hmm. However, those things are massive, right? And Godzilla is not as big as those things, or is he? Or is he? Right. right? Because, so, yeah. And some of the movies that I saw, he they were go they were I think when they the, you know CGI was the next big thing, right? And yeah. That's when they were really pushing that boundaries because he gets up out of the ocean, he's like a you know almost like yeah. an island just whoosh, like he's massive immense knocking over the skyscrapers like some of the yeah. buildings in Japan were slightly taller than him like that's the scale so but, he, here's here's the thing I gotta bring bring up about that Godzilla typically lives in the ocean right mm-hmm. and so there's a ship on on the ocean yeah. and all of a sudden Godzilla starts to go and starts to rise out of the water yeah. correct yeah okay so let's say that they're in the middle of the ocean Okay. How deep is the ocean typically? Let's just say maybe a, a mile, maybe in some, you know, let's just yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, on average, yeah, yeah. Um, when he's rising out of the ocean, what's he standing on? The bottom of the ocean. Uh, no, because he's not a mile tall. Oh, he's swimming then. He's swimming, so he's dog paddling. Yeah, he's, to, he's to, a boss. Yeah, he's got webbed toes. He's got what? Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. so that's something yeah, you never yeah, think about, yeah. right? You know, is he standing on like an underground mountain? Well, it could be reefs or volcanoes, uh-huh. or yeah, I mean, but it's always the case. Yes. It's like Godzilla it's comes true. up, and it's yeah, like, what the that. fuck <laughs> is he standing on to rise out of the water? Very good point. Because yeah. you know, but you yeah. don't think about no. it until you're like. No. Hmm. Yeah, that's very funny. Yeah, he's radioactive. Radioactive powers. Yeah, he levitates. He can levitate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but he's only got, in water. He levitates in water. Yes, yeah, so he's he's got these little like wings yeah. that he can uh, use. Okay, so Godzilla definitely in there uh, for top ten monsters in, in my book. So Alex, up to you. What's the what's the next monster you think that should be in our list? I'm really gonna throw a wrench into it here and uh, change it up. I think he's my number two favorite monster of uh, of all time. It's got to be uh, Jack Skellington from the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, he's the Pumpkin King. He's the main man in uh, Halloween Town. And he just, you know, he really, for me, uh, growing up, I, I hate musicals, but that is, it's probably my third favorite movie of all time, and it is a musical. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it uh, to me, it really just brought a lighter side to it and showed you that, you know, 
what are monsters, especially as a kid when you're growing up, the term monster seems so much more real and the possibility that they're under your bed or out to get you or in the dark seems so much more real, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me, he was a good way of kind of bridging that gap and saying, okay, well, maybe monsters have their own personalities. They're, you know, what does a monster do on his day off? Is he just a vindictive, mm-hmm. murdering creature all the time? Well, maybe not, right? He could just be a, you know, he hangs out with the other scary monsters and <laughs> they go to the bar and they do whatever. And can he live a mundane life? Can he hate his job? Like, so it was a really cool kind of um, look into a monster's life for but you, me. But you, you get make a good point. What is a monster, right? So what's the definition of monster? Like, I would not put Jack... I wouldn't put him in there. Right. That's not a monster in my book. Right. Maybe a villain, maybe an... I don't know. He's not know? a villain, right? Because he's, like, he's, he's the hero of the story. Well, he's a hero, right? Yeah. So, but that, but he's, a, he's a skeleton. He's a monster. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like, he has supernatural things. He's an undead dude. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read what the definition of a monster is. So a monster is often a type of grotesque creature whose appearance frightens and whose powers of destruction threaten the human world and social moral order. A monster can also be human, but in folklore, they're typically commonly portrayed as the lowest class. They're mutations, deformed, supernatural, or otherworldly. So some of those, I would say, would cross into there, but... He lights himself on fire, and his job is to scare the children every Halloween. Okay. He's a scary guy. That's literally... He, he frightens children. That He's the boogeyman. Well, he's not the boogeyman, but the boogeyman's also in there. But he is, you know, he's the... But the, I don't know. Does that make him a monster? You never met Mr. Dietrich, who lived four, da- four doors down from me as a kid. You know, that, no. that dude was a yes. monster, because yes. he but freaked me out. There's <laughs> two aspects to being a monster. You can either... It, it has an element of inhumanity to it. So you can either look inhuman, have inhuman, subhuman, superhuman types of powers or appearances mm-hmm. or it can also be like their mentality like you can have something that looks monstrous but is actually good on the inside and you have some other monsters that so we could that, segue we could segue some, into the that next look one. that look nice but are monstrous on the inside so there's and some are some are both well if i was going to vote on this one i would say no right so i don't call i don't consider jack a monster you all bullshit yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. well i wouldn't say bullshit but i would say i would not put him in that category right. as are monster because when you think of monsters it's it really is like that uh, yeah. visceral and I'm, feeling I, right? I know i'm throwing a bit of a wrench into this one but i just the, i gotta stand by the fact that you know he's his job is to scare kids on halloween mm-hmm. he represents that holiday he's the pumpkin king got it he okay. takes over christmas and like turns it into a horror show where there's toys eating kids and stuff you know like okay he's, okay. he's, he's, he's a bad dude well, i'll give that to you he's a bad dude okay <laughs> so what do you what's your you well, got the next one jay Okay, well, the next one, I usually do really old things, but I'm going to do something. Well, I think it's new, but to me, <laughs> people are going to go, what do you mean? Now I just watched that when I was a kid. Doctor Who has got lots of really good Amazing. good creatures yep. in it, lots of good monsters in it. But I think probably my favorite monster of the 21st century mm-hmm. is the Weeping Angels okay. from Doctor Who. And why? Why? They are a classic monster but they're a new classic in my mind an instant classic okay have you guys yeah, yeah I've, I've seen it i've seen it yeah I know, I know so they're great they're they're basically so on the outside they're not particularly monstrous they're basically statues of angels and so you're kind of like what this is kind of lame it's also mm-hmm. doctor who so yeah. you got to have you got to have your your budget things here which is part of what makes it cool but so they don't look like monsters at first. They're just angel statues that are there. No big deal. Nothing's there. I think the first episode they were in was called Blink or something like that. Yep. And yep. The, the thing about them 
is as long as you're looking at them, they're just statues of angels. And they often have their hands over their eyes and they're called weeping angels, right? right. But when you're not looking at them, then they can move. And they're whatever they... They're whatever the monster form is that no one knows when you're not looking at them. But as soon as you look at them, they can't move. They're frozen into this angel form. So they're really scary because try to not look at something. Or every time you blink, they get a little bit closer. It's like a, a slow strobe light. It's like flicking stro- out the strobe lights. Light. You know, yeah. Flicking out the lights. Yeah. And when the lights go, it's really creepy. Like they come and they're like just tick, closer, tick, closer. Awesome. They're like stalking you. And it's not even stop animation, but it's like slower than slower than stop animation that they just keep getting there a little bit more a little bit more and that also gets into like the classic medusa gorgoni kind of thing with the turning to stone she had it where she was rubbing the stone out of her eyes and she was going to turn into one and then the thing with the getting into the videos and then if they get to you and if they're able to touch you then you never existed yeah, they, they erase Ever. you. From erase existence, you from existence. Which is, which is the cool thing. They had all those military guys that are coming at them, and then they keep disappearing. And she's like, and she keeps asking other military guys, like, oh, I'm going to go check into it. First guy goes check into it. Yeah. And the second guy is, I'm going to go check. Well, what about the other guy? What other guy? And yeah. so <laughs> it's, they're, they're so powerful that way. And it's just, it's got a creepy kind of cool, it's maybe hard to describe, but they're they're like, they're like they Medusa's. No trace they leave you. no the no like trace. They, yeah. they can look totally innocent, and yet they're they have a suspense tension kind of thing going with. And them. that's it's, that's a cool thing about this particular monster because it's not the grotesque type of thing. It's, yeah. they do something which is it really gets to your core. It plays like on how, your mind. Like yeah, it's almost and how like, frightening it would be. Yeah. yeah, and to be wiped out from all from ever having existed is part of like monsters do things that are like say inhuman, monstrous things yeah. that are. A type of supernatural that's like beyond anything you think about what are the scariest things like that you just don't exist ever and then how do you stop them because they just keep coming they're relentless you can outrun them for a while close your eyes and, and what are you going to do back up slowly with your eyes open all the time you got to sleep sometime see it's 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 a funny thing because um apparently so i'm just looking this up now that uh so the weeping angels uh which are a race of predatory creatures in the long-running science fiction um television show doctor who they were nominated uh as one of the most popular and frightening doctor who monsters of all time there you go so jason really hits and, the and nail not the not just here. frightening doctor who monsters but i'm saying that these monsters are so good they're beyond doctor who doctor who's really good but these are also like i say like if you take the classic medusas and stuff for turning people to stone you take the thing about moving it's just it it's so good it's like it's a kind of thing that transcends mm-hmm. doctor who that this is a kind of thing that in 200 years from now i could see these weeping angels being around in whatever mythology comes around in the yes. future they're they're a keeper great great monster i would agree yeah absolutely yeah doctor who's got other good monsters too well and, but, and, yeah. and what's cool if, if i can interject too is how they you know some some monsters when there's a way is almost a lesson and a way to conquer it and with these ones uh, ultimately what doctor who ends up getting is he ends up getting two of them to look at each other yeah so then they're always looking at each other and so they're, they're, yeah, they're stuck like i said they're usually other. covering their eyes so he waits until they're just about to get him and then he Move so that they're looking at each other, and then they break. You know, it's like kind of like a con- cycle uh, para- para- paradox where yeah. they break their own. Like they're looking at each other, so they are permanently statues right. forever. Yeah, and that was like, oh, yeah. it was it was a really cool way to turn that around. And and you see, that's why this is kind of a segue, not a segue. This is a, I'm going totally off topic here. Uh, that's why I think Doctor Who is one of the absolute greatest heroes mm-hmm. uh, of all time. It is my in my top three 
most favorite television shows, science fiction thing ever. Like I am a Doctor Who fanatic. Yeah. And so I, what I would say is Weeping Angel, yes. And but I also you have to throw in if you're going to talk about that, the Daleks. Yes. Daleks. Uh, their sole purpose is to exterminate. Exterminate. That's exterminate. <laughs> so the the Daleks. By the way, a little trivia here. Daleks. Um, their original race was called the Kalids, and it's Dalek. That's backwards. That's, oh, that's where it comes from. Do you know why they sw- switched it? <clears throat> they just didn't like it, so they swapped it around. No, no, no. So the original race was like this race, when they had an atomic war on their planet. Oh, and that's why they're all. So they were the Cullids, ah. right? And then what had happened was they had this uh, nuclear uh, holocaust that happened, and they turned into these really grotesque little creatures, these little alien things. Yeah. So in the encasement of all dialects are these the little, little guys creatures driving them. Yeah. Basically, that's what it is. Yeah. And um, that's what's behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah, it, amazing. So yeah. you can go, you, God, you can do a whole episode of uh, Daleks in here. Yeah. But th- they're they're hilarious too, mm-hmm. right? So one of the best quotes in Doctor Who is uh, they addressed this many years ago, but they basically said, "Well, they're not that scary. I mean, all you have to do is go up a flight of stairs, and you, they're screwed, right?" So that's <laughs> what, that's what the Doctor had said at one point. But then they could levitate and stuff like that. So Daleks definitely. Uh, one of the cheesiest but coolest and monsters. super old school. Like Doctor Who goes back a long time. Like a lot of people are only a lot of people are only familiar with the modern Doctor Who's, and they they say you know series one, series blah blah blah. But those series they restarted them. Doctor Who goes way back into black and white era. Yeah, and that was the very in the very first episode of Doctor Who was the Daleks were the that was the enemy. Yeah, Tegas, yeah. And uh, I remember going to England to Wales. I went to the Doctor Who um, factory. Oh, really? And they had the, the toys, and there's a museum there. And it was so amazing. Really and, cool. yeah, I have old pictures of it. And so Dalek's definitely up there as a single-minded uh, monster that just that all wants to do is just destroy any life other than Dalek's. Yeah. That's it. So yeah. it's got to be a, you know. And if you go to England, everyone knows you could probably take a Dalek and put it up, and everyone mm-hmm. goes, oh, yeah, I know what that is. People would totally recognize yeah, it. Yeah. So it's just the, the culture of it, huge. So definitely, I think that's up there. Alex, what do you got next? I'm going to talk about uh, the, uh, the Kraken next. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I, when I was growing up, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean was a big thing. And when they came out with the Kraken, that just really, you know, my, my father's in the military. I spent a lot of time at sea on, you know, out there on the open ocean and, uh, you know, I, I never watched Jaws growing up, so I didn't quite have that um, experience. But for me, the Kraken, you know, shook me a little bit because it was like, there really are giant squids. You don't know what lurks at the bottom of the ocean. That mm-hmm. that whole myth, um, you know, which is kind of how a lot of these monsters originate, is the unknown, an explanation into the unknown and the fear of not knowing itself. And I think what the Kraken mm-hmm. represents is the unknown in the ocean, which is, you know however much percent 80 percent of our planet <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. you know and we don't even we know less about the ocean than we know about you know anything basically and uh it uh it's just a deep dark beast that surfaces and can wipe out entire ships with a you know a swipe of its tentacle and it's it's portrayed as you know more of a fish more of a squid sometimes an octopus it, mm-hmm. it's just this mythological uh, Leviathan-like creature that is uh, the uh, the devastation of uh, of any sailor. And you know, it's um, the kraken. Do you know where it comes from? 
I think it's a Norse myth yeah. originally, and yeah. it's called the Yurgamorgadurd. It's got a really long, <laughs> like, is it Yur... Yurgamorgadurd. Yeah, do what's it called? Well, so it does, it comes, it's a giant-sized Scandinavian um, uh, squid, basically, yeah. and that's where it comes from. So, uh, according to the Norse sagas, the kraken dwells in the coasts of Norway yeah. and Greenland and terrorizes nearby sailors. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of, you know, where it comes from. So, initially, this comes from the, the sightings of giant squids yeah. that sailors had, uh, which were about 13 or 15 uh, meters or 40 to 50 feet. And so, this well, is kind of where the kraken comes from. And also, like, back at that time, when you went out to sea, you weren't necessarily coming back. You know, it was a very scary terrain to cross at some point mm-hmm. when your boats are made out of wood and you're not yeah and people don't come back why didn't they come back hey, yeah. was it and sea all, or was it the kraken i saw this monster i saw this massive tentacle you know you don't know about what predators lurk in the deep kind of thing so yeah very yeah. cool monster you know mm-hmm. and um, so the kraken actually shows up in a lot of fiction yeah shows up in D too they're also very intelligent mastermind villains in D. Oh really? Giant, yeah. yeah, giant master. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, super right. intelligent underwater Spades. masterminds. Yeah. yeah. Also in the nineteen eighty one movie Clash of the Titans. Yeah. The yeah. Kraken was in well, there. Well, a little different looking one. Yeah. Well, and it, it and what do you pine. do when you have a Kraken? <laughs> release the Kraken. Oh, release oh, the release Kraken. Kraken. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, that's what I like too is that a lot of times too it's like a subjugated beast. So for example, yeah. you know, uh, um, uh, Clash of the Titans and in. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean as well, like Davy Jones or Hades is controlling yeah. the Kraken and, and unleashing it. It's the plague. And this, again, comes from a time when the sea and the ocean is a source of life and com- like travel, communication, connective. But it's also mm-hmm. a deep, deep, dark abyss that mm-hmm. can yeah. swallow you up and you'll never Very unpredictable back, and scary. Right? It's, it's a, something that you need in life, but it's also an incredible danger. Yeah. And the Kraken was the, the barrier between surviving and not surviving. So the Kraken obviously uh, can be argued to be in the top 100 of the best monsters of all time. I didn't put it in my top 10, but uh, you did too. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you have a fear of the sea? No, no? I don't. I've spent, okay. I spent a lot of time out there in different vessels. I think it, it helps when you start out in like war vessels, giant yeah. boats, and I've been on aircraft carrier. You know, it's yeah. like pff, whatever the ocean, no big deal. So you've been to sea then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you so. ever been blown ashore? <laughs> So you know, it's obviously it's obviously quite a bit different, but I have I have a healthy respect for the ocean, and I I, cool. under, I understand where the myth comes from for sure. Awesome. Okay, so the kraken in their sea beast, obviously. So Jason, the ball is in your court. What is our next monster that we're going to cover that we think should be in our top ten of well, all time? Our next monster in our last episode, we had a great movie that we looked at by a awesome director. What was that, boys? Oh, I know where you're going with they this. Live. Yeah, John Carpenter. They live, and John Carpenter was the director. He's made many, many good movies. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, a uh, little trivia thing here. Just watching the new Stranger Things. Yep. And there was a poster on the wall. Yeah. Did they have one for The Thing? The Thing. Yeah. Mm. movie called The Thing. One of the best monsters ever. I know they did a, a, re- did a re- re- remake, remake. Did they? sequel prequel thingy yeah recently i think it's recently so it's probably 2010 11 12 something in there mm-hmm. um but the original the thing oh my god like the original alien and the original thing are two of the earliest 
movies that I remember being really, really scary, scary yeah. movies that hold up over time, and you're like, this would still be scary to someone now. Like, not just cheesy, scary, but legitimately, I think if you played them for anybody, they're timeless, scary, timeless monsters. So well done. And this, and to me, special effects aren't everything, as you know from my yeah. original Star Trek fandom. It's not all about special effects, but the special effects for the time just amazing. Yes. Like people these days are so spoiled on special effects, but that monster, I just remember at the time being blown away yeah. by like how good they were. And it, and they were, it were good in a way that added to the scariness mm-hmm. of, of the monster. The thing is an amazing movie and it's an amazing monster. It's, so, uh, Alex, did you ever see... Have you seen The Thing yet? No, I only think of the Fantastic Four thing. That's the only thing. Oh, totally different. <laughs> yeah, I have no you, idea. What, you, does, it, what you, does it look you've like? You've got to watch... That's the thing. It, we need to watch it. We'll do well, an episode because Maybe it we is, shouldn't get too much into it. It is worthy of its own thing. So, okay. The Thing is a 1982 movie that came out by John Carpenter. Uh, it is absolutely terrifying. They're basically trapped in the Antarctic. And uh, it's based on a 1938 oh, film. Oh, I think I've seen the or seen previews for the remake yeah. that came out in the 90s or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. so it's sort of not a film. Uh, it's a 1938 uh, novel, which was a, by a guy named John Campbell Jr. And he wrote a novella called Who Goes There? And basically, it tells the story of a group of American researchers in the Antarctic uh, who encounter uh, a thing, which is basically a parasitic extraterrestrial life form that assimilates and then and then imitates the organisms that it basically so you don't know that could be i could be like the the thing and so the group is basically overcome by paranoia and conflict because they don't know who's the thing and they're trapped because they're in the middle of the anarchy where can you go you're at a remote station yeah and it's it's so because you can't go anywhere and it stars kurt russell one of my favorites uh so you got to see it it is hands down one of the scariest really uh film it is very wicked yeah Good time, super okay. fun, excellent. I, I'm, I will, I will put money down that that one stands up. Okay, even for yeah. someone who hasn't, hasn't uh, seen it there. Let's say a bottle of Kraken versus a bottle of Grey Goose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as Jason that's, looks at the table here, we get what we got <laughs> right next to Mjolnir there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the thing. Um, agreed. I would say that the, the the thing is in the top ten for sure. And one of the things that makes monsters scary is again I talked about inhumanity and whether things look monstrous mm-hmm. or if they look like they look like humans but they're monstrous inside. The thing is one of the best monsters because it has both. Because when you see it in its transforming mode when it's not looking like somebody else, it is one ugly MF. Yeah. It mm-hmm. It's a scary-looking monster like that. But then once it takes the form of someone, it looks exactly like people, yeah. acts exactly like them. You can't tell oh, it apart. Wow. So it's got that inner inhumanity and the outer inhumanity, depending on which point there. And it's a threat to all humanity. Great monster, great movie. Uh, thumbs up. So in a Dane's Dungeon, I would say ultimate cool shit. The th- that is Yeah, I, I give it three high. thumbs up. I'm growing an extra <laughs> arm for this for that one. So Very Alex, cool. Alex, okay. you'll have Let's to see that out. one. Yeah. Uh, so kind of going on to that genre of kind of craziness and super scary, this is not really a movie, but this is um, literature. And uh, it goes back to H.B. Lovecraft. And we're going to be talking about Cthulhu. And if you don't know the Cthulhu mythos, in 1928, H.B. Lovecraft came out with uh, uh, 
uh, basically a, a short story about Cthulhu. And Cthulhu is part of these genre he made of these old gods. And the old gods were extremely powerful. And they weren't like the Greek gods or Norse gods. They, they didn't have the motivations of lust and power. Yeah, and nor are they demons or devils or evil, things like that. They're, okay. they're beyond good they're, and evil. They're almost like forces of nature. Right. And the... Like physics, like laws or something. Like, you know, almost, like, they're, even like beyond, they're even beyond the laws of, it's of like physics and nature. Beyond our dimension. Oh, uh, okay. The one consistent and constant thing in the H.P. Lovecraft mythos and Cthulhu is basically all these gods are massive. They're huge. They go, they, they go beyond time. So before humanity, they were around. Mm-hmm. And if humans ever see them, they instantaneously go crazy. They go insane. Okay. Because your mind can't comprehend what they look oh, like. Oh, right. Okay. And the mythos, H.P. Lovecraft is absolutely twisted. And an amazing writer, but amazing. but cr- crazy. Like most people are like, oh well, we're you know, Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. Like this this goes right. far beyond that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's very. You always use the word meta. Yeah. There's yeah. so much meta stuff in this. Right. Yeah. It's 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 great. And so every horror writer, director, things that you like was influenced by him, or yeah, what, what, so, or the person they were influenced by was influenced by him. It, it's just it's hard to overestimate how much influence. He's had. What you just talked about was like, sounds like Bird Box to me. That that new one uh, that came out when people are, you know, there's an invisible force that's roaming around and people go insane and they kill themselves or right. they become insane and make people look at the thing that makes them insane and either kill themselves or become an insane person. Kind know? of, and I bet that I Often. bet that it sounded, it sounded yeah. exactly like that. Yeah. So the Cthulhu mythos is uh, is there's so much. We were just talking about the thing in the Antarctic, so. If you're gonna, if you've just watched the thing after pausing this and taking my advice to watch it, you should probably read the Mountains of Madness, mm-hmm. H.P. Lovecraft and the Antarctic. Great thing. Also, play Call of Cthulhu, one of the best role playing games. I've awesome. Made. <laughs> uh, and if you don't know what Cthulhu looks like, Cthulhu basically, um, it's been described in appearance as resembling kind of like an octopus, like a kraken. Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it had oh, a really dra- big mind flare. It, it kind of <laughs> had like a dragon and human caricature. It had hundred. It was hundreds of meters tall. Yeah. Uh, so it's absolutely huge. It had webbed human-looking arms and legs, a pair of rudimentary wings on its back. Its head was kind of depicted similar to like a giant octopus, which I said, uh, unknown number of tentacles coming surrounding its mouth. It's possibly it uh, was, uh, like I said, if people had the possibility of ever looking at it, they would just lose their minds and uh, with any contact with this type of uh, wow. being. So yeah. super cool. I would say in our monster genre here, yeah. this is way outside the normal realm of like some monster monsters. to other right. monsters. Gotcha. Yeah. The, nice. The Cthulhu yeah. mythos and all the connected things. There's a series of writers that they get in there. H.P. Lovecraft being the central one in this, but it's yeah. had such a big influence. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Cthulhu, check it out. Uh, read some of the short stories because it's well worth it. And I don't know if there's been... I mean, there's been probably some movies and there's stuff. There's been like, some movies they like never do it justice. From Beyond and stuff like that. But they, they haven't got one that's quite been able to do a real real version. I mean, it's, it's hard because his, his type of horror isn't the type of horror people are used to. Even though he's been really influential, mm-hmm. he, it's sort of his horror transcends yeah. the way a lot of people do the horror. But def, Cthulhu, definitely one of the... The biggest monsters ever. Yeah, ever. Now, I know I went right before you, Ari, but I'm going to yeah. have to butt in here, Alex. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Because one yeah. of my other monsters is the deep the deep ones of Innsmouth, another H.P. Lovecraft story, The Shadows Over Innsmouth. Okay. And 
they're related to Cthulhu in a way they are oh, just one of the best short stories ever. Uh, so how do they differ from Cthulhu? Why are they, why are they, why are they on the list? Why are they on the list? Because the whole thing, to me, again, the inhumanity of monsters. Okay. And the story, a guy basically goes to, it's all, he's all New England, East Coast, you know, New America stuff. And a guy goes, goes to a small, small sea town mm-hmm. looking, looking into things. He's staying in a hotel. And he's there, and it's this town, the people look a little bit weird. There's something just a little bit off with them. They've got little fishy, froggy features that are just a little bit off. They don't look quite human. Mm-hmm. And then some of them, they're, just, they're, they're human, but just a little bit off. And then as he gets deeper into it, mm-hmm. he realizes that there's something really wrong with the town. I don't want to give the whole, right. do, do the whole story, but in addition to Cthulhu, which, which he lies sleeping on the bottom of the oceans, right. there's also, there's also, there's other great old ones in the Cthulhu mythos and there's, and there's uh, Father Dagon and Mother Hydra. Yeah. And they're, they're sort of, in some ways, Cthulhu-related. But they're the sort of um, mother and father of the Deep Ones. So what the Deep Ones are, they're sort of like a hybrid kind of humans hybridizing with with the Cthulhu-ish race thing. I'm not saying this very, don't, don't they, very well. they breed with the humans? And, and they breed with the humans, yeah. and then they're inbred, and they start developing these features and stuff. So what these inhuman features and what makes this story really scary a little bit of a spoiler here is the guy as he goes on and realizes that this town is part of his heritage so what makes makes the deep ones so scary is that is it being hybrids of humans is that they're again they start out you start out young being looking like you're totally human and then as you get older you get more and more of these features of the deep ones and then Mm -hmm. eventually as you get older you end up having to go into the sea and join the deep ones. Father Dagon, Mother Hydra are the oldest. They're they're older and bigger. They grow with the grow with the age. So it all started in this this one town, Innsmouth, with this captain brought back some stuff from the South Seas, and so they have a little cult in the town, and it slowly spreads as people get bred into the thing, and they worship, and they're they're gonna bring Cthulhu back. So super cool monster. And relating this to D and D, Sahugan Kuatoa, definitely some relations there. But I don't. I could do a whole show anyway. Don't want to get too far astray. So, so you notice that in the Torvis podcast, we'll have some references which are, you know, everyone will know. And then we start to get into some references that only the ultimate geeks will know. So if you get some of the references that we're making in this podcast, then amazing and good on you. And you have found your home. Yeah, well done. Yeah. <laughs> so we try not to go too crazy because we don't want to exclude the listening audience from uh, like, oh my God, what, what are they talking they about? They show you new stuff though. Yeah, yeah. But if you don't get it, maybe you should check out something new. It's good to go, oh yeah, I love that too. That's really cool. But sometimes it's like, hey, I haven't, I haven't seen that before. I haven't read that story before. That's cool. I should check that out. And people that usually have the same interests are going to like the same things. So. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the points that we're trying to do here. We're trying to we're trying to illustrate that geek culture is really pretty deep and it covers so many different genres and there's stuff that like I learn all the time from Jason and from Alex. I just just don't know. So it's uh, the, it's ever expanding. So expand your mind horizontally and vertically. (laughs) (laughs) If you get that. Yeah, that was a good reference too. Let's see if anyone actually gets that reference and they type in the comments like, Hey, I know where that's from. Uh, Alex, your turn. I'm going to go got? back to a classic. I'm going to hit up uh, Shalob and... Um, yeah. And um, 
the eight-legged freaks and Aragog from uh, the Harry Potter series. Basically, they're just giant spiders. Okay. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because, personally, I am immune to spiders. I hold tarantulas. I don't care about, you know, uh, wolf spiders, whatever it is. You name it. Uh, They don't bother me. I'm not not really afraid of spiders. Um, But um, my girlfriend is petrified of them. And then I watch the movies, and I see where the giant spiders are, and they're, nothing has really changed about them. Mm-hmm. They're just massive. Big. And now, all of a sudden, they are some of the most terrifying motherfuckers on the planet. And all they've done is like quadrupled in size. So I got to put them up there in terms of one of those monsters where if you were looking at how a, spy, a spider gets its prey and how it feeds on its prey yeah it's a terrifying animal yeah and now when you take that to a you know to an extreme and monstrify it it uh becomes definitely one of the uh the top predatory um creatures that you know uh, mid-level adventurers have to get through on their quests and you know it's funny because the thing about spiders i think when you look, I think they have the, like the top five things that people are people afraid are of. People are scared of. Yeah. And yeah. snakes are in there, and spiders are like those are like the top yeah, two. You could literally take out one eighth of the like planet just by having a giant spider. Like people will just mm. literally just run and like trample each other to death yeah. if there's a spider like present. You so know? there's a great internet meme which I absolutely love, and it basically has a spider on the wall and has someone holding a, a handgun and they're pointing it right at the spider. A spider, and then it, the the caption is. Uh, uh, that seems fair or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's just one of those things where people have, they didn't have to change it too much to really make it terrifying to pretty much anybody at any level. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. even for me, I have no issue with spider, a giant spider. Uh, yeah, that's a terrifying way to die, having, you know, be restrained and then liquefied uh, while you're alive and they drink you from the inside out. Like, there is some great early, like, what, like 50s and 60s and 70s movies. Which have spiders and stuff like that that yeah. are awesome. Did you ever see Arachnophobia? Uh, no, I, don't, I haven't seen that one. Okay, so that it came out in the 90s. And so basically, it's pretty old, yeah. yeah it, it, but it was pretty old, quote unquote. <laughs> it, it basically <laughs> jumps, jumps on the fears of people's like spider thing. And it's the spiders that kind of infest this town and right. people freak out. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a good one. So. Well, and that's the thing, too. In a lot of the spider movies, sometimes they, you know, they'll be the big spider, but then there'll just be smaller spiders around and you know, they'll pop out of people. And the spiders are just, they mm-hmm. can get on so many different levels, oh, right? Like, here's something you missed out on because you're too young. What? Hubba Bubba. Oh, the spider gum? The gum that had spider eggs in it. What? Do you remember that from the 80s? It's a reference. I, that's, again, it wasn't, I, don't think it was, I don't think it was real, but don't you remember people saying, oh, don't eat that gum. It's got spider eggs in it. They're no. going to grow in you. Oh, really? No, I never heard oh, that. That's yeah. one of those Maybe it was like, just one of our local things. Yeah, it's like, okay. oh, you got razor blades in the, <laughs> in the apples and stuff. Okay, I got it. Okay. Okay. Okay, so spiders, yeah, definitely. Uh, so now we're going to kind of move uh, into a different thing. So talking about what freaked people out, one of my top monsters is we're going to talk about zombies, but in particular, there's a particular zombie from a particular movie that was hands down just so kick-ass. In 1985, there was a movie called Return of the Living Dead, which is my favorite zombie movie, which you haven't seen, Alex. No, I haven't seen it. We're going to have to watch that. Yeah, yeah so soon. we're going to watch it because it's incredible. But in the movie, there's a zombie by, that they refer to as Tarman. And Tarman basically is a zombie which is kept in this big drum. And it gets exposed to the air, and then it kind of <laughs> starts to melt. And throughout the film, uh, eventually the the heroes, quote unquote, encounter it 
ends up killing one of them, eats their brains and stuff. But you see a military drum? Don't open it. Don't right. open it. But the 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 makeup of it is incredible. It's actually considered in movie history one of the best makeup and zombies of all time. Really? Wow, yes. that's fantastic. So the actor they got for it was extremely skinny. Mm-hmm. And so he's in this, uh, he's got clothes hanging off him. And it was, it was so good. So Tarman, yeah. because it is absolutely frightening. And the makeup, so good. So I will put that in my top 10 of uh, best monsters. So yeah, you haven't seen it, Ale- um, Jason knows it, exactly what I'm talking about. I've seen it, but I haven't seen it in a long time. But you remember that? Oh scene. yeah, 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 yeah. It's so one of the best zombie movies. Uh, There's been a lot of zombies. Was movies. it like just like a random zombie that happened to be in a barrel that now is like a cult following, or was it like a character okay. that was introduced? No. So what happens is it's kind of got. A, it does have a cult following. So Alex, you're talking about uh, kind of where Tarman comes from. It, it basically the U.S. military. Uh, took all these contaminated people. They were running experiments. Mm-hmm. And is, I can't remember what it's called, but it was called the 245-trioxide uh, chemical. Oh, okay. And they put it on <laughs> humans, yeah. and it turned them into zombies and things oh, like that. So okay. they basically took one of these humans, put it in a container, and then they sealed it. And then what happens is these humans ended up breaking and the seal broke because it's been there for, for years and years. Oh. Bureaucracy. Yeah, so um, that's where it comes from. So Tarman, definitely in there. Oh, that's There's, funny. So like zombies are like a super monster. Like they, they span so many different things. And I think zombies are a great, great monster because they have a purity to them. They're, they're, it sounds kind of weird. But when you're dealing with zombies, I think the reason zombie movies are always popular and you can always make everything better by adding zombies to it mm-hmm. is because... You know what you're dealing with, zombies. They're, our lives have all these complicated things. We have to go, is this right? Is this wrong? Should I do this? Should I not do this? Mm-hmm. When you're dealing with zombies, you always know where you stand. What do they want? Your brains. Your brains. You gotta right? shoot them in the head. Are they good or are they bad? Are they on your side against you? You know where you stand. There's no moral ambiguity <laughs> yeah. with zombies. It's just, it's there. And you think about every, right. everything you can add zombies to it. Like, I'm not into things, but if you're into chick lit stuff, right? Pride and prejudice and zombies. <laughs> And the funny thing is there's some dumbasses out there that actually think that the zombie apocalypse is going to come. And I always joke about the zombie apocalypse like I'm preparing for yeah. it. Like I'm a prepper, 100%. Do I believe the zombie apocalypse is coming? No. No, but it gives but, you a template, something to... Yes. So it is a template on basically, well, what happens if there's social disorder? What happens if yeah. like, there's a massive earthquake and law, it everything yeah. breaks down? Yeah. And it's like, that's basically right. humans who are marauding or, are zombies. Or, or a virus that just wipes out but whatever you know, it is zombies can zombies can right? stand in for anything Correct. in a way zombies are like super nazis because if you're in <laughs> if you're in movies and you need to make a villain that someone's going to fight and and they're going to be irredeemably the bad guy and well to most people would say okay let's kill the let's kill the nazis no problem people aren't going to argue about it right but if that's not if there's a little too much moral ambiguity ambiguity if the if the nazis are good or not then you got to crank it up one more notch. The eleven gives you zombies. Yeah, totally but but true. also to, to Ari's point there, it's a good like how the zombies aren't even you know and, and for example the Walking Dead, the zombies aren't the problem. They got the zombies down. It's right. the other people yeah. in the world 100%. that's all falling yeah. apart, yep. right? And that's a really cool thing about it is whenever you see any kind of zombie movie, yeah, you're always initially like, how did this first zombie get all these people and you know like and you know true, i'm gonna i'm gonna but i'm gonna jump forward and and probably ruin this for because i should keep this to the end but the ultimate monster are humans 
Oh, yeah. for sure. Really? Yeah. But let's put that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in a way, what you're saying is, but the humans turning on each other. But in a way, zombies are the monster. But in a way, zombies are just the force of nature. The excuse yeah. that makes it's like if humans caught in a storm, they're starving. It's a plague. Whatever, whatever. The zombies are the catalyst that make the humans fight yeah. each other as a monster. So they're monster in their own right, but they also bring out the monstrosity within yeah, us yep. too. So that's that. On the outside, they look like monsters. On the inside, they're monsters, but they bring out the inside monsters within us, and then they turn us into outer, outer monsters if they get us and. Yeah, and one of the things brilliant. about we always talk about monster flicks. It's like things always happen at night. Like things that happen day are really scary too. But things oh, night night whereas you know that's the monster yeah. thing, like the full moon type of thing. Yeah, right? I'm gonna, I was gonna roll right into that. So monster within nighttime full moon. Yeah, we gotta bring up werewolves. Okay, hundred percent true. So I but we can go back just a little bit there oh. earlier because one of the first monsters we started this thing with. What did we start with? Aliens. Aliens. Yeah. When did they come out? Oh, see, he's making a reference. They come out at night, mostly. Mostly. <laughs> mostly. Okay, I got you. Sorry, every time, every time someone <laughs> yeah. mentions about coming out at night, that's what goes through my uh, mind. Yeah, that's from a character named Newt in Aliens. Yes. Okay, so go ahead. Talk about uh, your werewolves. Uh, yeah. So for me, I, what I what I think I really appreciate is like that primal instinct inside of all of us. Mm-hmm. And when you're bitten by a werewolf, when the full moon comes out, you have no control and it just becomes this primal instinct aspect of uh you know i think what what they're contrasting is how uh you know a ferocious beast back in the day which would have been uh you know a pack of wolves um that what a person is capable of with that same ferocity Mm -hmm. right and not recognizing friend from foe just shredding somebody limb from limb and then, you know, that's not really my favorite werewolf, um, the one that has no control and the moon controls it, and it's more of a curse, um, the classic werewolf. Yeah. I, I think it's very cool, but there's, I would not want to but be one of those werewolves. What makes so cool is you can have a sliding scale yes. of that control. Yeah. So and when you think of werewolves, Alex, what are you thinking of, like, movie-wise? Definitely Underworld. And uh, like yeah. like like lichens, like lycanthropes, was the short term for that. Yeah. Um, and that's you know that's where sort of you're looking hundreds of years down the line where werewolves have bred and they've slowly become you know closer to that fifty fifty human wolf, and they're able to control when they transform. Um, you know, certain certain werewolves are even able to kind of push silver out of their body. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're they're much more human than they are beast but they become that monster and then live as that monster because you always see this struggle between werewolves and vampires and zombies and mm-hmm. and where they all lie and even for zombies the more human you can make it the i think the cooler that monster becomes so instead of just being a mindless beast to me the top werewolf mm-hmm. has got to be the one that has some control yeah with the closer they get to being like human the scarier they are because yeah. in a way the more you can relate to them the more scary Exactly. A monster can be. In some ways, it can be more frightening when you're less human, but you can be more scary when you're more human. And so the funny thing is about the the werewolf thing, like lycanthropy and all that. So the underworld stuff, that actually goes back to, I, I they pulled very heavily uh, from White Wolf, the gaming, the publisher. Oh, okay. And so there was Werewolf the Apocalypse. So they made a game, which is called Werewolf the Apocalypse, which came just after Vampire the Masquerade. Okay. Have you heard of these before? The role-playing games? I've heard of Vampire the Masquerade, okay. but not Werewolf. So, so yes, yeah. they had... Werewolf was a second. Yeah, they had the uh, second. And then Werewolf they had Mage cool. the Ascension, And then they had... Uh, mummy. And mummy. Like, they had all these different things. So that's where they came, where the werewolves would have power. You would be able to control. And uh, it kind of changed the whole werewolf culture. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I really like White Wolf stuff. I, I was a huge Vampire the Masquerade person. Werewolf is okay, but I was always drawn to the vampires, right? Which is which is awesome. But uh, you know, when you look at the original like films of the vampires, like from the nineteen thirties and forties, it's yeah, brr, yeah. Brr, right, right? Like yeah. the Wolfman. Yeah, that's exactly. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. They're American very, Werewolf in London. They're very yeah. they're ver- they're more great they're film. more animal less human, and then as you start to humanize them, like that's what's so great about Dracula, right? Is he's this count. He's this he's got this sort of elegant human side to him as yeah. well as the beast within so that's what i that's where that's where my werewolf my true werewolf lies is more of a like it's super classic right yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah and, and you know going on that you just mentioned dracula dracula was in my top 10 of uh top monsters of all time 1931 dracula uh film came out with bella lugosi and that was that was huge, right? And it was it was freaky. People absolutely lost their minds when Dracula came out. Mm-hmm. And there's been a million remakes, obviously. That yeah, well, and lots of different. He's the front man for the whole vampire thing really taking effect, right? I and I truly believe this that he kind of started the whole vampire sexy thing. Yeah, because now that's but a huge. True, but there's thing. other kinds of vampires like Nosferatu. Yes, right, and so uh, Nosferatu came out in 1922, which uh, Max Schreck uh, he played Count Graf Orlock. Again, I I was really really big into vampires. Hilarious right? yeah. parody of it years later. I yes, <laughs> but I, I studied like the whole like vampireology and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Th- th- that's my wheelhouse. Oh, awesome. And I'd love to do an episode on that, which we yeah. will do. But back in um, in 1897, Bram Stoker wrote Dracula. Mm-hmm. And that kind of kickstarted based on the history of Vlad Tepish, Vlad the Impaler. Yep. And then he just yeah. changed it and it turned into the sexy thing. And, you know, the, the taking of blood is just a, a metaphor for yeah. sex. And that's very yes. Victorian. Yeah. It's it huge. Had to be. Yeah. Very timely. Well, and, and that and that's kind of you know there's such a contrast in what you see your vampires and even in, as they reference it like again go to go to underworld they had their covens and there was the class that was the elegant and they all were dressing up and drinking blood from the goblets instead of from the vein you know and mm-hmm. whatnot so I think that's a very cool aspect to a monster where mm-hmm. it talks almost about the corruption and the bureaucracy behind it just because you dress up fancy and you you know you you play like you're human you can still be a monster that destroys lives and and what what they did with the whole underworld thing and again it goes back to the the vampire the masquerade it's basically the Mm -hmm. politics like these monsters and they live like they're running the show yeah yeah right yes they drink blood and stuff but the whole monstrous stuff it's not them that drinking blood it's that they're ruling people they're controlling blade did the same thing and had different yeah different tribes and acting in different ways yeah. and there's so many good vampire things again Buffy was amazing had, yeah. some, had some good werewolf things in yeah. it too yeah. there's the great mockumentary lately which one? Uh, oh, they do in the shadows. They, oh, what yeah. they do in the shadows? They did, yes. they did the, they did the so movie, good. and now the first season of it is out. Ten episodes, anyway. I don't know if that's the whole wow. season. Or, oh, I didn't know that. Or yeah, part, yeah, they, that. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's great vampire mockumentary. Like, there's there's also been some terrible. Like, vampires have totally jumped the shark in some ways too. Like, we gotta, you know, if we're gonna be fair, yeah, like Twilight. Oh is, my uh, no, we're t- that's not vampires. That, it, that oh, doesn't God. count. It's you know, and and that's the thing is that fake vampires. Oh, it's it's total bullshit. Total bullshit. Yeah. But you know that's. That, that happens with anything, but it, it's it's such a popular concept, and it has so many different variations, like the zombie. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, just the classic vampire is is, is definitely a top-notch monster. So, for so sure. there you go. And I'm not even talking about vampires. I'm actually just talking about Dracula, Dracula but I yeah. would agree with vampires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great yeah. monster. So Jason, what do you got? What do you think uh, should go on our next list here? Well, let's, let's switch it up a little bit here. Okay. And... 
I mean, monsters often get associated with fantasy, medieval things, and then they bleed into the modern stuff. But mm-hmm. but monsters also fit into science fiction very well. I'll just briefly mention that we were talking about zombies. In uh, Firefly, Serenity, the Reavers, in some ways could be looked at as a sort of zombie-esque kind of creature, and they're a very good monster. But mm-hmm. um, here I'm specifically thinking of even lighter science fiction stuff does have monsters that are that are suitably horrific the borg in star trek the next generation yes when those first came out it was like wow it was it was like really they were the first scary star trek monster and with the cliffhangers and stuff you were really worried and again it's the dehumanizing making people inhuman they're kind of human but not that that combination of man and machine and when jean-luc picard gets taken Locutus. It becomes Locutus the Borg. Yes. Right? People still make fun of me when I got my Bluetooth thing on. <laughs> if I was bald, then I could really rock that shit. But, um, but yeah, the Borg were very scary because, you know, you will be assimilated. Resistance is futile. There are relentless monsters that you feel that, like, oh, my God, you've got all this high technology, and it does you Nothing. does you no good. Like yeah. I was saying about Mind Flayers, about what part makes them scary? Your D&D character, yeah, you got your big, powerful magic spells. You're, you're Archmage, woo, big scary deal. He's got magic resistance. You're useless. Ooh, you're a big tough fighter, whatever. He's just going to control your mind and, yeah. and blast you. You're like, ooh, we're Starfleet. We've got transporters. We've got phasers. We've got shields. You're just immune and to it's all like, and it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't care about your technology. We just absorb it in some way. It's like, wow. It was like, oh my God. And they're wiping things out left, right, and center. And I think about the. So the board came out. Uh, he, again, Jason and I are massive Star Trek fans. Uh, and 1989 is when the Borg were first introduced. But he touches on a point where it, the power scale, it was like the Federation, very strong. Yeah. As you said, all this technology. But when the Borg were introduced, it was like. It was like off you were, the. You were. Yeah. The, the start, um, Starfleet it was like kindergarten. Yeah. And these guys were like fourth year. College yeah, people. and they it's did it in a scary yeah. way because it's like okay, like Starfleet's fighting the Klingons, the Romulans. Okay, yeah, it's it's, it's like okay, we're we're like okay, of, fighting yeah. the other guys. You know, we're against them. You know, they're a little bit better than us. We're a little bit better than them. Whatever. It's a tough fight. It's scary, but these were actual monsters. So I say, if picking a monster from Star Trek, not just bumpy-headed alien of the week kind of thing, yeah. that it, many of them very cool in other ways. But this episode's about monsters, and I think the Borg were the best Star Trek agreed monster. And one of the things that all of these things bring out in humans, which I think we can talk about. It doesn't matter what we've talked about is even if the monster is so many levels above us in culture, it makes the humans raise to the level to defeat them. Mm-hmm. You know, so you may not have the technology or the intelligence or the cunning, but eventually we come out on top. Uh, I mean, that's fiction. Yeah. Uh, I honestly believe that, you know, if the aliens do come knocking on our door, like the real aliens, yeah, that it, uh, there's no fight. No. There's no fight to be had. No, there's not no, at this stage. There's no Stephen Hawking that's going to no. come save us. It's like no. we're so outmatched yeah. that it won't even be funny. But there's this there's this arrogance that humans have that we can defeat any kind of creature that comes our way. Well, so far, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you know, but like that's the fiction. We conquered thing, right? one planet. Yeah. 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 You know, but <laughs> I don't know if we've conquered it. I well, think we're we've maybe destroying it. it well, but, yeah. Maybe we're our own monster, but yeah. Yeah. that could be another. Well, but I, and I think you brought an interesting point too about how it to rise above the occasion, and another point to it too is also to move forward through death. You know, a light at the end of the tunnel. These stories, these myths, that you know, dragons, the kraken, uh, you know, the Borg, whatever it is, this obstacle, this insurmountable thing. Yeah. 
the way to triumph over all of these things, you just have to be that 111th guy who just has enough hope and courage and, you know, all those things that don't physically add up to anything, but there's that mental aspect mm-hmm. to drive through and to succeed. And I think that's what, you know, why these myths and stories truly exist. A bit of a lesson, cautionary tales, don't wander into the woods at night as a child. <laughs> yeah. And also, when shit gets tough, you got to, you know, get down and, you know, and, and, and figure it out. Otherwise, you're, you're going to be the victim. But the funny thing is we always talk about monsters as these tangible things, right? Mm-hmm. But we live in a time now which there's this intangible thing that surrounds and pervades our culture. It's on everything we do. It's, it's happening right now. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, not a, it's not a thing. It's, well, it is a thing, but it's not like a precise thing. But you think about what the internet is. Yeah, it's out there. So yeah. we're talking about science fiction, but monsters being in science fiction. So mm-hmm. I was trying to think about which monsters were really good monsters to face against. So one thing I was thinking about, man, Terminator was a tough monster to fight. Right. And then I was like, wait a minute, Terminator's not really the monster. The monster is Skynet. Skynet. Skynet is a monster. The Terminator's just, they're just the minions of, of the monster. And so... It's even more scary now with things of AI and quantum things uh-huh. and time travel. It's like there's a lot more stuff, but just the whole thinking about the AI thing. So back in when did Terminator came, come out? 80, 84. 84. Yeah. 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 So back then it was a scary, like, ooh, future thing. But now it's like, you know, this stuff is like right here. Like yeah. I mean, the, the Black Mirror stuff is like, is like right on. That was yeah. like, that's pretty looking forward skynet is a little bit more scary even now than it, you got than airplanes it was back then. that fly off programs you got you know we're getting cars you're getting all this stuff what happens when the programs start doing what they want to do for the programs you know so totally. it's it's a, it's a, that's i definitely top-notch monster uh for you know the new technology i think you can't top skynet, skynet is, yeah. yeah i mean skynet is now yeah right absolutely uh one of the monsters which i absolutely think is Super frightening, and the mythos is amazing. Was by Clive Barker. Oh and yes, I am absolutely fascinated by anything that has to do with the devil, hell, um, demons, anything like that. Uh, no, I don't worship them. By the way, if if you're wondering, <laughs> and, you know, I've got all these Christians who <laughs> do you now, or have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, I have, and that means I'm a devil worshiper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a big thing uh, about that, by the way. Yeah. So uh, I absolutely love the mythos behind it, and even like in Christianity and stuff like that, the, mm-hmm. the fiction of the. Oh, I'm about to. I was going to put my mouth there. The fiction of. It's okay, the, we talked about the Cthulhu mythos. We can talk about the, the Christian mythos. Can we it's talk okay. about the Christian mythos? Yeah. Okay, it's, so we'll talk okay. about that. So, that whole kind of the devil and all that stuff. Amazing. So, Clive Barker, when he wrote Hellraiser, he came out with the Cenobites. And the Cenobites were basically these demons of hell. And Pinhead, who initially wasn't named as Pinhead, he was basically the lead Cenobite. He has all these nails or pins in his head. Yep. They made the 1987 film, oh, so which was so good, super dark. And the thing that made him really awesome is he wasn't the mindless monster. Mm-hmm. He was articulate. He almost had the kind of this Dracula-esque thing about it. Yeah. Uh, but he was able to command the forces of hell. And the way that you would be killed, or it, it was in the most horrific ways. Yeah, you know? right. Like, the, it, they talk about the flesh and, yeah, like... You know, being pulled apart Such and flayed. to show you. Yeah. Like, and the lines and the, the quotes from it is so good. Yeah. Uh, Pinhead and the Cenobites and the Lament configuration, the cube. Yeah, the, and that's what I was, when I was doing my list, I was thinking that, yeah, Cenobites are really good monsters. But I'm like, and yeah, Pinhead, he's the best of them. But I'm like, the real monster is the cube. 
Actually, if you go into the, because I, I, I love Clive Barker, it's the cube actually isn't. It's what is beyond the cube and who the yeah, Cenobites, yeah. who... But I mean, it, it's, the thing, right. it's the thing that brings brings it all yeah. forth. So I, I would say, as like the whole hellish and devil thing goes, Cenobites, Pinhead, mm. amazing. Yeah. Love it. Super and scary. And it's core on different levels. Like it's got the physical torture, you know, gruesome, bloody, yeah. kind of scary thing. And it's also the psychological thing. Because the mind is a lot kind of like the pre-saw the saw yeah. guy, you know, where they just they really you got to rip into you as part of the thing. They don't, yeah. you're not just. You're not but just it's being... on it's on different levels too. Yeah, like, yeah. like that's that's why the Omen is really good. That's why the Exorcist is really good. Yeah. And, um, you know, because it it's really it, that's where it kind of triggers. It yeah, those horror your, movies of that era. I don't know. We will have to do something on horror movies sometimes yeah. because I don't. Maybe it's just I don't keep up with things as much nowadays but there was that might have been a golden age of horror movies yeah very good so that i would kind of put that in pinhead is uh one of mine so yeah and the and the other ones were still good yeah yeah so how about you ox you got anything left here uh i got a couple i got i got i got i got one more to close it out for me okay let's, what is it about. uh the gremlins <laughs> i think they're uh fantastic <laughs> little monsters they um, are monsters. i think that uh you know gizmo he's uh he's my main man but you know i think that just that concept of it's it's a funny little cautionary tale to kind of i don't know if it's whether to just have your kids learn how to feed the dog and walk it and you know follow basic instructions or yeah it, it, that the fact that if you take a cute cuddly little thing and you bring it home and that becomes your life and it just keeps multiplying. I don't know, right? I, I don't really know where it goes, but it was an entertaining movie yeah. and it just kind of exploded from there. You know, this little monster that you can't feed after midnight because it'll turn into a psycho killing machine. Yeah. Don't or get it wet. Wet or it'll just multiply. You know, we're on a, like I said, planet mostly covered in water. Hey, you're not going to get this thing wet. At some point in his life, it's going to happen. You know mm-hmm. they're doing a, a third one. Oh, no, oh. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, very yeah, cool. 2020 coming out. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, I think Gizmo <laughs> and the Gremlins are, uh, you know, they're not heavyweights, but they definitely rank. They're, they're a very cool monster. Yeah. It was, a, it was a fun film, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I would put the Gremlins in there. And talking about Gremlins, they called this a Gremlin, but uh, in Twilight Zone, mm. they have an episode where uh, the original one, I think, uh, the original one is in 1963, stars William Shatner, and the episode is he suffers from a nervous breakdown he's on a plane and he opens up his window and he looks on the wing of the plane and there's this mm-hmm. creature on the wing of the plane and it's trying to it's basically trying to destroy one of the engines and then he every time he goes to tell people on the plane they're like look out look out look out look and no one sees it because it hides mm-hmm. and then he closes the thing and they give him pills and it's like no you're just imagining things and then he ends up lifting up the you know the window to look and it's mm-hmm. right at the window it's purposely fucking with them yeah a hundred percent yeah, yeah. <laughs> they call it a gremlin on there right because gremlins are basically in mythos are things that basically uh get into the system and mm-hmm. they, they make things not work they, right? they just kind of slowly make the system fall apart and yeah. you can't do anything about it, it just you know it's just like that ultimate mess you yeah, know yeah. like you're it's just all falling apart especially with planes wasn't it a big it. thing with fighter pilots yeah and what this, but so the the thing with the gremlin, and so in 1983 they had something called the Twilight Zone the movie, which is really good. It's like four or five uh, short stories, and they remade this one, and it was John Lithgow in it, and they kind of made the the gremlin, uh, the 
the animatronics look better. It's scarier. Like right. in the original one, it looks like the guy in the fursuit. Right? Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so 1983, they do it, and he ends up shooting the window out, and he's like shooting at it. And so they basically the plane lands, and he saves the plans, but everyone thinks he's crazy. And they put him, mm. he's in a straight jacket, right. and they take him off. And then as the ambulance rolls away with John Lithgow, they have the mechanics look and they look at the engine and they're like, holy shit. And there's got these scratch, like these claw yeah. marks and stuff mm. like that. That is a great monster. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So it is a gremlin, but a different gremlin than yours. Yeah. yeah. And I got to say, Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, Black Mirror. If you people are listening to this and you haven't seen all of them, well, it's a long time to watch all of them, yeah. but, but <laughs> se- select episodes from those shows going back to the 60s up till, t- up till today. Yeah amazing stuff and all and there's a slew of monsters we could have picked from from those so jason what do you got to kind of as we close out here well i've got a whole bunch of things i'll just mention some of them briefly because i don't think some of my stuff is a little more obs- obscure or maybe we haven't all seen it so it okay. might be harder to... so why don't you do some honorable mentions here? honorable mentions let's look at it that way go ahead hp lovecraft we talked about before i would like to mention the doom that came to sarnath one of my favorite hp lovecraft stories the beings of ib that come and destroy Sarnath. You got to see that. You not see that. Read that. Someone please make a good movie about that. <laughs> please make okay. a, please make a good movie about that. What else that. you got? Um, beyond H.P. Lovecraft is a great pulp fiction writer. H.P. Lovecraft, uh, Robert E. Howard, mostly known oh, for Conan. for Conan. He also did a lot of horror stuff. He did tons of other other different things, and he does some mythos related things too. But my favorite, there's a, a trio of these guys. My favorite is author called Clark Ashton Smith. Now, he's got tons of different stories. Three I will recommend for best monsters mm-hmm. would be Sephora, the Enchantress of Solaire. Very different, different kind of monster using beauty as a type of horror. Okay. There is the Double Shadow. Another, these are all short stories. Very easy to get. You can look them up online, audiobooks, whatever. It's all free because this is stuff from the 20s and 30s and mm-hmm. stuff. Double Shadow. If you were an arch wizard... This is the kind of monster that any wizard would be scared of. It has powers that are beyond that you can't stop it. So things are scary to what you can't, we can't deal with. The White Worm, Coming of the White Worm, another Clark Ashton Smith. Mm-hmm. Super scary, Berlim Shikoroth, another great old one. Mm-hmm. What else? Super scary. Those ones there. I mentioned before about the X-Files. Oh, the X-Files. About that episode when we were talking about They Live. I mentioned an, an episode with a bug guy that only this one person could see and then he shot up the place and then Mulder took on his took on his um so fully do that episode very very good X-Files monster of the week episode uh-huh. X-Files had their mythos ep- episodes where it followed the alien yeah thing and stuff then they interspersed it with these sort of standalone episodes that they're commonly called yeah. uh, monster, monster of the week and there's yeah. a particular director or writer that did most of them there were some so good those ones. are very good and one of my favorite ep- x-files episodes of all times from the first season yeah it had these green bugs in it some darkness or something like that mm-hmm. it was near the end of the first season i thought it was the final episode of the first season and oh these these bugs get cut in the cut out of this anyway i thought Mulder and scully were dead and i thought they were getting new actors it was that scary i thought man this is good they're killing off the main characters and doing the thing it was it was it was that scary for the things we just talked about twilight zone and outer limits one of my favorite outer limits episodes sand kings it's like basically a double double episode sort of like a movie for the start of the new version of the outer limits mm-hmm. again bug things so those are my two favorite bug bug episode movies 
And then again, for science fiction, the shadows and Vorlons and Babylon 5. Great monsters. You guys haven't seen Babylon 5, so we can't really discuss it in, in detail. But the duality between the shadows and Vorlon and how they're beyond good and evil, but using law and chaos as a thing to create monsters at a cosmic level in science fiction. Just brilliant. I could go on and on and on, but <laughs> I'm sure we'll run out of time. So we've covered a lot. Uh, I would say my three honorable mentions that I didn't get to, uh, that I would have to say Frankenstein's monster has to be put in there. Uh, the original story came in 1818, and uh, it was first in film in 1910, and then obviously Boris Karloff in 1931 doing the Frankenstein's monster. That's got to be in there as one of the greatest monsters of all time. And uh, two other ones we didn't talk about are... Uh, Darkness, which is from a movie called Legend, which had Tim Curry and um, and had uh, oh my god, uh, Mission Impossible guy. Why well, can't I remember his name? It's You're Tom, asking me Tom for Cruise. an actor's Tom Cruise. name. Thank yeah, you, Tom, Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. Oh my god, I don't know Tom why Cruise. that just so. <laughs> I've heard of that and guy. Mia Sarah. Tried so declined to fight from Justin Bieber. That guy, you know, yeah. that <laughs> yeah. So Darkness, basically the um, the makeup in that was unbelievable. Uh, great villain. He again, he plays a demon, uh, and he's trying to basically stop the sun from rising and cast the world into darkness. Oh, I love all that cool. really dark, yes. which is what the mind flayers yeah. were trying to do. Yeah, also. like I'm yeah. really big into dark, like dark, dark, dark stuff. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. like my wheelhouse with there. And the last one I want to talk about is one of the greatest monsters of all time in cinema, 1975, something called Bruce the Shark. Right. As in Jaws. They called it Bruce, by the way. Right. So the shark, again, uh, I hope they never remake that movie. Right. Because they want, they, that's the problem with Hollywood. They yeah. remake all these things and they yeah. shouldn't, right? Right. So uh, Jaws, I hope they never touch that. Uh, I think they tried to with Giant Shark versus whatever. That's oh, the modern Megalodon. version. Yeah, oh, they have horrible shark, stuff. Uh, yeah, shark yeah, that's why I'm saying. That's why I'm agreeing shark. with you. That's why yeah. they shouldn't try to remake it. So Bruce the Shark uh, in Jaws, one of the greatest monsters of all time, just the way it's filmed, the story, everything. So I'm going to put that in my probably top 10 uh, for sure. 100%. You know, and it's one of those things, again, it's just, they don't have to change much. You know, it's just, they exist. Yeah. They're yeah. scary. You just Some make it a little bigger and stand up in time. terrifying. So, uh... This was the monster episode, and we got, we flew through this. Uh, we, you know, we're already an hour and thirty minutes into it because this and is mon- 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 monster-sized episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we could probably do an episode on one particular monster and keep going like that. Oh, yeah, but we were just kind of doing our top ten. We want to know what your top uh, maybe five or ten uh, monsters are of all time. We didn't. We we know that there's so many to touch upon, and there's tons more that we could touch upon, but we just didn't get to it. But we we love it. Monsters are what keep us going, and uh, you know, good versus evil. Love it. And this was a whole Dane's Dungeon episode. It was like yeah. cool and cool, cool shit. Yeah, bullshit. we didn't have room for much bullshit here. No, yeah. it was mostly cool shit. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I appreciate you guys uh, coming out for this episode. Super fun. And uh, if you have any questions or comments, just leave them uh, for us and uh, we'll try to get to it. So until the next episode, this was episode nine The History of Monsters on the Torvus Podcast. Mm-hmm.